Blog Talk Radio. Wait, did I miss it? 
I I posted again. I should have tagged you. I posted. I put it on my page, and Cyrus put it yes, on his page. Know, but I'm gonna. I be yeah. Sometimes my head be down, and I don't be. <laughs> and people be like, "What you always posting?" I, I post from my phone, but I don't see. I just be putting up my posts because you know I gotta give my Alicia effect here and there throughout my day. <laughs> but um, yeah. Sometimes you gotta you gotta tag me if you want me to see something. Um, I will. I I'm excited. I'm and most excited. of the time, no. I'm paying attention to T's page because we share back and forth, and I didn't see it, so now I'm going to look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no worries, no worries. But like you said, Cyrus is a great, great uh, influencer, Felicia and I. Like she said, she, he has always believed in us. He appreciates what we do. He's been on the show a couple of times. So make sure you all check out our Rich Rich archives because he shares some major jewels when he comes on the show, and we so appreciate him for that. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm going to shout out also Georgia Dawkins. She's going to be back in the chat room soon. She has some dope stuff going on, and I just want to appreciate her. She always um, thinks about us whenever uh, she has something big going on, and so I just appreciate her um, for always thinking of us when she has big things going on and wanting to come on the show and just share um, her grind with us. Mm-hmm. We have some great supporters, Leash. When you come down, you know, because like Leash said at the top of the show, she and I are always busy. You know, grass doesn't grow under our feet here in Let's Chat. And in addition to Let's Chat, we have so many other venues that we have our hands in and we support each other tremendously. So we have so much support and it's just awesome and amazing and uh, much appreciated so shout out to all our supporters you know it doesn't go unseen Leisha and I may get busy every now and then but we do notice who supports us and we say thank you for that absolutely Mm -hmm. you share our posts you always think about us you always are you always show up uh, and, and you pull up whenever you have something big going on even if you're busy you pull up and you just share that love with the ladies of Let's Chat so y'all know who you are. It's so many to mm-hmm. name off, but we appreciate y'all. We appreciate y'all so much. Absolutely. Well, y'all, y'all know we always get on here and we get to chit-chatting and we don't never open up the show, y'all. My name is Miss Alicia. You know, I got my right hand and most of the time she is my left, the fabulous Miss Tony. You know, I call her, uh, she got that hardcore red pen. So she is always my editor. She is my left hand, my right hand, um, and that's my girl. And we're going to talk that talk today about old school love. Mm, just that title alone. Well, I want to thank you, that Felice, for that leash. But, you know, sometimes, like you said, we start the show. We act like we don't have new guests up in the house, new people peeking in. Hey, I see you. <laughs> but just to let you know what we do here on Let's Chat, we, we, Leash and I, you know, we started out just celebrating literature, but we have risen to the occasion that now we just celebrate dopeness. That's right. I said it's right. dopeness. And everything that people do, no matter what it is, because we have had some great guests come to the show, and not just authors, because, you know, Alicia and I, we are readers first and foremost, but we have had some amazing authors, both new and seasoned, and we love when we have them on the show, because they kind of, you know, encourage each other, no matter where you are in this business, a little encouragement doesn't hurt, 
But we've had authors come through, publishers, actors, literally actors that are on the red carpet have given Alicia and I a couple of minutes before going into their movie right. premiere. We have had so many lawyers, government officials, sports people, you name it, they have blessed the doors of Let's Chat. And that's where some of our appreciation absolutely goes. We so appreciate you giving us some of that time. But we love doing it in a fun, intimate, and friendly environment here on Let's Chat. People come in here, they kick their shoes off, get relaxed in the chat room. And sometimes we, we just forget that we're doing an interview. We, we just be so into it. And that's when that's the authentic authenticity comes out. You know, you get to share your passion because you never know who's listening. They may be feeling some kind of way or can relate to something that you're discussing and give them a boost. So pull up. We're talking about that old school love. And so many scenarios come to mind when you say that, Lisa. So pull up, get ready. We have... Well, we have some fabulous guests coming through the chat room, and I want to know what their old school love look like, feel like, smell like. You know, we just saying. <laughs> oh, for real. But listen, I, and I did that for a reason, um, because the guests we have on today, their genres are unique, and their pens mm-hmm. are unique. And um, if you don't know, the fabulous Ellie Wright uh, and Cheryl Lister—they're going to be in later on today. They—they um, they write Harlequin romance. So y'all know back in the days that was the book. Y'all know Fabio with the mom. You know that was the thing back in the day. That was what uh-huh. you know, people was into. And um, then we got the fabulous Piper coming to kick in the chat room door, and she writes. Um, she writes historical. old school romance in historical, uh, an historical mm-hmm. type uh, fashion where she brings the historical version of love to us. And so that's why I called it the old school love because it's, these are different genres. They show love in different ways, um, but they bring what was forward so that we are now able to experience it um, and see. I remember we had author Ingrid Brown on the show, and she was telling us about the Douglas women. And I had never read a historical fiction before, ever. I like. Mm-hmm. I think books is kind of like walking in the thirty-one flavors. You don't know what you like until you get the little spoon and be like, "Let me taste that. Let me taste that." So when she was telling mm-hmm. us about it, which is what readers do, readers geek up other readers. So she had me all excited. I was like, "Oh, well, let me go check this out." So I, I picked up the Douglas Women, and that was my first historical fiction I have ever read. And I was given Frederick Douglass the side eye. Yes, I was. We appreciate all your struggles, brother, but I was giving you the side eye because I didn't like how you was running the house. <laughs> but that was my first. And running case. it he was. <laughs> right. Okay. No, he wasn't running it. <laughs> I'm running up in it. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think it's just uh, Ingrid Brown is one. She's a historical fiction author, but I think it's 
really a genre that's on the rise now. Wouldn't you say that, see? Absolutely. You know, because what old becomes new again. And um, mm-hmm. I was one of those Harlequin romance readers. Oh, man, my auntie used to get them. You know, there was a subscription. You know, uh-huh. they used to come in. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. You can see I'm, I was those real Harlequin romance readers. And I used to just grab one when she finished and just and sit back and enjoy. So reading has always been a part of my life. And it's it just old becomes new again, Lee. So I'm excited to have Miss Piper on and reinvigorating that old school love. I can't wait to get her in the chat room. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So I'm excited. I want to know what made her get into it, How what made her enjoy writing in, in those different um Ages, I just, you know, we love asking questions here on Let's Chat. So we gonna, <laughs> we're going to take a brief break, and then we're going to get right into it, y'all. We're going to get right into it. Before we do take a break, I want to shout out Spain. We have a lot of new viewers, Norway, Spain, Germany, um, Brazil. We appreciate you guys. Y'all don't, Canada, you know, y'all don't know that we see you, but we see you, and we appreciate you guys. You guys are tuning in. Shout out to all of those that run our replays, y'all. They are jumping, okay? We appreciate y'all all day long. We're going to take a brief break, mm-hmm. and we'll be right back. Busting my tail on a nine to five Just to keep up, try to stay alive Promise my lady we gon' be alright She be crying while she praying for a better life Hustling on the side for a bag of rice Gotta feed the fam, gotta pay the price Gotta keep trucking through the Georgia clay Gotta stay searching for a better day Gotta keep my faith to make a way Gotta get extended so the gas can pay Sweet Georgia Singing the truth 
today about old school love. We got three fabulous guests that are going to kick in the chat room doors. First guest is going to be Piper Hughley. Hi. Welcome, welcome, Hello. welcome. How are you? We are good. Welcome to the chat room. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We appreciate you. So, honey, we're about to get into it. Girl, what got you All into right, writing historical fiction? You got to tell us what, what drew you to that time. Well, I the first thing I'm going to say, I heard y'all talking about Douglas's women. Yeah. Side <laughs> eye, okay? He was a mess. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, I tell, hey, I tell y'all, I teach college. And, you know, mm-hmm. where I came from in terms of why I'm doing this is trying to keep these college uh, children. They're your adults, but, you know, they're still young. Mm-hmm. So I call mm-hmm. them children, trying to get them interested in things, you know. And mm-hmm. one of the ways to get them interested and keep them engaged is to talk is about sex. <laughs> and drama. <laughs> yeah. Sex society, they all in. Oh, like, oh my <laughs> lord, honey, they love yeah. that. They can't get enough when you. I, and this is the thing. <laughs> I have my class posted from a nineteenth century United States literature, and they like, ooh, that's boring. Who want to hear about mm-hmm. that? Uh-huh. But then if I if I write a description that says that 
Freddie Douglas had a side chick down the hall. If I tell him about <laughs> Abraham Lincoln sleeping with men and all this other oh, kind of stuff, yeah. then they want to be signing up for my class thing. So. <laughs> You just over here feeling, you feeling that old time tea. You like, let me tell y'all about the tea. Oh, and you yes, know what? That's what mm-hmm. That's what they it call it. They call it tea time. Mm-hmm. It is. Yep. Let me tell y'all. Mm-hmm. I, I searched my mom's side of the family, and um, uh, Monday Durant um, was, he's like my great, 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 add some more grace to that grandfather. Now, he was a minister. And uh, so he was spreading, and that was in Oklahoma. And so, long story short, his wife bought his freedom, and she was in Yes. So his wife mm-hmm. bought his freedom. That was Suki. Suki bought his freedom, and so he lived among the Creeks, the Creek Indians. Uh-huh. He was enslaved so with he, them. Yes. And yeah, because people don't want to talk about this Native American slavery. So oh, yes. Go ahead. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. honey, because we was coined. We were traded yeah, to the Indians mm-hmm. oh, yeah. as oh, no, like I, yeah, money. We was that. money, and when mm-hmm. the whole thing between the United States and the Indian that little treaty they had fell through, that's when they started showing us shade. I'm just saying, well, this is not that type of yes. show. But yes, yes, ma'am, we going we got to talk mm-hmm. about it. But right. So I'm reading and I'm going through the history and I'm like, my goodness, he had lots and lots of kids. And so mm. my cousins had realized that uh, there was some Durants across the street that was related to them and uh, kind of find out that they, they were cousins and they had lived across the street mm-hmm. a long time. But I said, honey, he was spread more than the word, honey, because he okay. was introducing um, okay. Christ to the Seminole Indians and, and the ones in the blacks. And he was, like, going around town to town, and he was sharing. I said he was doing more mm-hmm. than sharing because Monday yeah, Durant well, had a lot of kids. I, that's why I say I called my Frederick Douglass lecture, Freddie was a rock star because he had groupies. <laughs> what, didn't he? Didn't he? <laughs> yes, didn't know about it. He Hell was going, no, just, like you said, just like your ancestor, he was going from town to town. Redney. He had the people in every town. And then this is me up because, you know, the 4th of July just happened. And mm-hmm. his famous speech, uh, What to the Slave is the 4th of July. I don't know if y'all saw that when people were posting it on Facebook for, for the holiday last week. And so um, my students were like, how do people sit there and listen to him saying this stuff about the 4th of July doesn't mean nothing to us because we're not free, Right. That was the basic thesis of his speech. And I said, mm-hmm. look, they had no TV. They didn't have any little phone. They didn't have mm-hmm. any kind of uh, stuff to be doing to fill their leisure time. <laughs> None of that. And they, you get a, you get word there's going to be a fine-looking brother, clean, deep, deep voice the top-notch oratory down the street, shoot, they couldn't, the halls was full, they Hmm. <laughs> Talk about it. Talk about it, because, and then, you know, and I'm glad that you mentioned that you are a historical um, teacher, because, or a history teacher, because, you know, a lot of people think that 
um, they know that we were slaves, but they don't know a lot of us were freemen. And a lot right. of a lot of them don't know what a freeman is. And so we're going to have a whole hit. We're going to get you in here in February. We're going to have a – see, I just be thinking about stuff. We're going to have a black history show in February. We're going to bring you back in, and you're going you're gonna to teach it. <laughs> huh? Uh-oh, did we lose her? Did we lose her? interested. Hello? Okay, we lost you a little bit. No. Okay. Hello. Hello. Can you hear us now? I can hear you. Okay. okay. Great. I, I right. can hear you. Yes. Yeah. We can. We can. So we can said, have a Black History Show. That's awesome, because February is like a hot time for me. I like to go out and tell people too. Like you know, you all think you know the history. You know the know. history from a particular perspective. Mm-hmm. And you get that's into the so, that is the white male perspective. That is the history that has been taught to us. Absolutely. There are more perspectives the Indians, than that. You're going to blow their mind yeah. when you get into that whole, when you really get into the Indian situation. You're going to blow their mind. They're going to be like, what? Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> so it's like I say, this is one of the things that, you know, we teach is tales of hunting glorify the hunter. But the lion has its own historian. That tale's going to be different. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing. That's how I see myself in terms of the books I write and what I teach. It's just different audiences. So and then I come mm-hmm. at it differently in terms of what I'm trying to bring forward is that uh, you know the the narrative they want us to think is that we're all victims and downtrodden. And everything was bad and all this other kind of stuff. They don't want to talk about our resilience, our strength, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the ways in which we lifted ourselves up. And when you talk about love, how we kept it going. That's right. We kept on going. And And it's like I like this. And marriage. Marriage was more than just love. They, They didn't, I don't believe they got married for love. I mean, they, they right. might, you know, because by the time they love somebody, the other person probably was sold off or something happened. But mm-hmm. I think they they got together mostly for security. Yes. Well, the first thing when they were allowed to get married, people ran down to the courthouse. That was the first thing, December 1865, when you go look at all of those records. Once they were allowed by law, people flocked to the courthouse to get married. Nobody wants to talk about that. They want to talk about this whole other aspect of this. Mm-hmm. And our, as I say, our ancestors had to love each other or else we wouldn't be here. That's what yep. I mm-hmm. And it was a little mixed up up in there. Yes, there was a little mixing going on. There was a little mixed up up in there. A lot of them Confederate judges, a lot of them uh, judges mm-hmm. came down to the South and, you know, they liked them some black women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But how did yeah. they overcome and conquer all of that and continue, especially black women? So that's right. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. that's that's where my whole thing is coming from. So mm-hmm. as a, a a Spelman professor, because that's a prestigious mm-hmm. black college for women, um, what mm-hmm. drew you to write? What was what was going on in your life when you sat down to write that first book? The students don't know the history, you know. 
so <laughs> and trying to bring it across in a way that they would think would be interesting and exciting and not oh that's boring, right? But saying mm-hmm. this is these are the things we you know even with Spellman you know they have they have a whole thing where they have their orientation at the beginning of the year and there's a whole kind of very cultivated uh, historical tale that's told. And they tell it, but they leave out that the founders were lovers. Why do they leave that out? There's all this. <laughs> hmm. it's, yeah, they were they were a lesbian couple. They had been a teacher and a student. I mean, there was all this other kind of interesting stuff, but they like pick and choose this the more boring stuff to tell. Absolutely. So, wow. so then the students aren't interested, and so you have to, you know, get them to tell them these things happened back then too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what got me started into that. Like, let's see about how we can make this history more appealing to people. So, mm-hmm. so Tony Piper, go ahead, please. Now, I want to ask you, you know, some people do may, may actually find it boring. And in an industry that's so saturated with, with, with you know, um, street lit and erotica, and how do you keep your yeah. readers interested in, in, in your form of writing? Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's not easy um, mm-hmm. in terms of that. There's a, there is a battle um, to be fought. Um, and it's not even just that side of it. In terms of the black mm-hmm. side, I mean, you talking about Douglas's women, there's only like less than a handful of those examples of historical fiction authored by black authors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then you have the publishing industry on the other side who have been acting as gatekeepers for some time in terms of, um, you know, not – not being helpful in terms of black authors getting to tell their own stories, what you may have heard as the own voices movement. Um, For instance, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, a historical fiction about Harriet Tubman was published by a white woman. Really? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I had some issues with the way she told it. So, you know, my whole side, she didn't do it right, so I'm working on the right way. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, they were talking about that on, uh, who was it? Was it um, Denzel Washington, I think? He talked about it. He said that it's not culture. He said it's not racism. It's not a it racial is. issue. It's culture. He said he, yeah. he compared it to uh, us being able to flat, to get our hair pressed. We know what the mm-hmm. smell is. We know that that sizzle mm-hmm. what you hear. But somebody that's never experienced that as part of a culture, they're yeah. not going to talk yeah. about it the same way. So I understand yeah, what you were right. saying about mm-hmm. the, the way she wrote it because she's not going to write it with the same passion and understanding from being a, uh, from a cultural standpoint. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah, he's right about that. There's a there's a whole cultural thing that you know you could do a whole kind of lot of research if you want to, but there are certain things that you're just not going to get. So yeah, that's one of my hopes in the long run. I have other things that I'm working on, 
um, right now in terms of um, bringing across these historical stories. Like I said, Jewel Parker Road, she did that thing with Frederick Douglass, and that's always been like the high bar for me in terms of uh, Absolutely. historical the way fiction. She wrote that thing, the way she wrote mm-hmm. that thing, that wasn't yeah, a the high from bar. page to page. Wasn't it? And wasn't it the way she described their marriage. She described, mm-hmm. at first I thought his wife was dying or sick. And then I mm-hmm. was like, it, she was describing their marriage. Mm-hmm. And, Ain't nothing wrong with Anna. Anna no, Anna would have been funny if it wasn't for Anna. They this is what I love to tell the children. Dead. Yeah, <sighs> their relationship was dead. And, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. times people just stay. People just stay. Yeah. That was loyalty yep. for him to stay. Um, but yeah. people just stay. They stay in relationships and they're unhappy. But it's been that for years. You know, that situation yeah. is not nothing new. Um, yeah, true. Tell us about the lawmaker. What's that, the uh, lawmaker's luck? Oh, the lawyer's luck. The lawyer's luck. Yeah. Yeah, I could have called it that just as easily. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's That's my um, novella, which was uh, – it was the second thing I had put out, actually. The the Preacher's Promise was uh, the story that I had developed about the founding of a historically black college um, that I made up. There's a whole lot of stories about how historically black colleges were founded, and, and they usually involve, again, white people, white missionaries who came south to do that. But there were educated black people in the north who went south after the Civil War was over, and it was their um, calling to make sure, to try to make sure that the uh, recently enslaved had been freed, I mean, had been educated. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, they said this is how some historically black colleges and universities got their start. Um, so I wanted to write about that, and uh I created a preacher character uh, who didn't want this uh, teacher to come down and start the college. But, of course, they end up falling in love, and they begin Milford College. So I was in a contest Amazon used to have um, several years ago. And what you would do is you'd put up a sample of the story or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I was getting pretty good ratings and stuff. And then – Someone, as it turned out later on, it was a competitor in the contest. She wrote, this is complete. This is not historically accurate because there's no such thing as a college-educated black woman then and blah, blah, blah. Well, why did she go say that to me, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to show yeah, how yeah. this college-educated woman could exist in 1866 because they did. So the lawyer's luck is the story about Amanda's parents and how they came together. So mm-hmm. that's, that's my uh, freebie novella. So if you go on Amazon or any other platform, the ebook of The Lawyer's Luck is free. And uh, it describes how they came to meet one another um, and, uh, you know, they how they had their happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's interesting. 
That's the this is yeah. Tony uh, Piper. With that being said, how often are you challenged as far as uh, another author, and not even necessarily an author, challenging the historical authenticity of your writing? Is that All ever an issue? The time. Really? <laughs> All Interesting. The time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there are people out there who don't want to believe in this mm-hmm. particular perspective history from the black point of view because we are so we have so bought into the history that was taught to us from the white perspective that it's mm-hmm. it's difficult for people to think of it in another way. So that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why whenever I hear that term historically accurate, all of that saying is is that you are in firm belief of the white perspective that has been taught and are not a fan of hearing the other perspectives of history. Mm-hmm. We need to and hear a more complete mm-hmm. history. And it's more mm-hmm. kind it's common so. sense. If you were selling blacks and you were selling them to people that came from Scotland, to people that came from England, and they were taking those blacks, taking them back over the water They were being educated there because the life mm-hmm. life was different for them there, and then they would bring mm-hmm. their educated selves back over here. Mm-hmm. But to to say that there was never, you know, it was like like we're not. Smart. Well, my uh, characters come from Oberlin. Oberlin College in Ohio was an early college that opened in the early 1830s, and their mission from the beginning was to offer education to anyone, regardless of race and regardless of gender. So very early on, Oberlin was doing this. I call Oberlin the cradle of historically black colleges and universities because a lot of the black people who came out of there who graduated from there, went on to develop HBCUs. Mm. So even here, this is what I'm saying, in the United States, in Ohio, this work was being done, and it developed, it was albeit a small population, but it was an educated population. You had the first black woman graduating from Oberlin with a college degree in 1862. So, yeah, they exist, they existed. And, you know, it's it's the way that history's been whitewashed that I, we don't know that. We just presume that, mm-hmm. you know, or we mm-hmm. fall in line with what they've told us. You all, like you're saying, uh, you're, that, you know, you all aren't bright. You, that couldn't have been possible to happen. So, yeah, it's interesting that I wrote that novella out of a sense of... <laughs> I was mad, you know, but still people enjoy that little story um, in terms of the way it teaches about how somebody went about being a lawyer in those days. It's not the same way that it happens now. Um, But Lawrence is a graduate of Oberlin and uh, encounters a uh, runaway uh, enslaved woman um, when he accidentally shoots her. So um, <laughs> that's how Amanda's parents came about um, from this very kind of contentious beginning. But, uh, you know, 
it all comes out well in the end. <laughs> Absolutely. Now this is Leisha. We got mm-hmm. most of the time we got to say who we are because we sound so much alike. But I just want to take a moment. <laughs> Thank you. But I want to take a moment because with your covers, um, first of all, I, I love your cover art. Your cover art is Thank everything. You. But you switched up a little bit um, because you have some covers, I guess, you know, the covers were depicted of the times. Um, mm-hmm. But you had a lot of books that were historical, but it looks like you went, uh, you made it a little bit more um, current. Because when you mm-hmm. look at um, the champion's heart, uh, a champion's heart, mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. more of a... It reminds me of a just like a cover we would see today, if, if they don't notice mm-hmm. the bus in the background. Yeah, what was your, yeah. your thought process when you're picking your covers out? Well, that's my very first cover artist uh, died, so there wasn't oh. much to be done about mm-hmm. that, right? So mm-hmm. for that series, um, you know, that it looks a particular way, and that's why there is – that art for the Hunts Milford College series, um, because uh, that uh, gentleman who did, did wonderful work, um, who came out of Singapore, it was just like this kind of random thing how I came across him, um, is, is deceased. So I've had to go with different um, cover artists. Um, now, A Champion's Heart is a different series that does take place in the 20th century. So it is a more current series. That story takes place in 1835, and I call it, um, it's the what happens to someone pre-Green Book, um, if you will. So you all know, know about the Green Book, I not the movie. I was about to say, you got to tell them what the Green Book is. Not the movie, because we don't, yeah, <laughs> we don't have one to talk about that movie. Uh, okay, that's how I feel about that. From a historical perspective, you got other things to do with two hours, but... The Green Book was a guide started by Victor Green that let black people know as they traveled where they could go to eat and stay and still maintain their sense of dignity and not uh, uh, come across uh, ra- people who feel uh, felt you know racially superior to them. Uh, the Green Book started publication in 1936 and uh, continued to publish for some 30 years after that. But I had the question of what would somebody do before that if they had to make a journey? Mm-hmm. So Champion's Heart is the story of um, a young woman who's taking a group of children out of Georgia up to Pennsylvania and her uh, former lover, who had abandoned her at the train station when they were supposed to elope, he ran off, um, comes back, and she has to rely upon him to help get these children uh, up to Pennsylvania. So, yeah, they have they had a little bit of a conflict, I should say, <laughs> um, in terms of that. So, a champion's heart is about how they um, resolve that. And, and part of it is that he's a boxer. So I also wanted to uh, take a look at the role boxing played at that time pre-Joe Lewis. Um, a lot of people talk about Jackie Robinson as a mm-hmm. civil rights warrior, but actually before him was Joe Lewis. 
in terms of boxing. He really began mm-hmm. to open those doors of civil rights and racism and beginning to get people to see black people as human beings. Um, so mm-hmm. it was like a 10 years before the whole Jackie Robinson thing in terms of boxing, um, what that did. So, you know, mm-hmm. so that's what that mm-hmm. story is about. And so it takes place at a later time, so it has a different look to it. Mm-hmm. Long way yeah. of explaining that. <laughs> now, this is Tony um, Piper. You know, this is all so interesting. But my question to you is the content of history. How do you determine how your content is shaped first to to maintain, you know, the attentiveness of your reader and also to make it that much more interesting and also to kind of bring it to life because content is everything. You know, you want your your, your readers to crack that spine and be engaged in what in the words that you have so eloquently put on that paper regarding our history. How difficult is it to maintain that interesting content? Well, just like I said, you know, there are this, there's these historical nuggets that have been covered over. And to me, it's like, it's like an excavation. And a lot of my stories are centered around some aspect of history that has been covered over. And I kind of think about, the people who were part of that mm-hmm. portion of that history and think about how and in, in what way could I use uh, a young woman or an old woman in the case in terms of the current thing I'm working on um, to make that history come alive. Mm-hmm. So that's how I do it. Um, so yeah, it's in terms of, uh, Milford College series that's centered around the development of the historically black colleges, Champions Heart, that Born to Win Men, uh, Born to Win Men is what I call it, a series about how sports played a role in terms of civil rights struggle, um, mm-hmm. and my migrations of the Heart series is about the Great Migration, um, which is the largest internal migration in the United States. It's how black people went from being mostly rural to urban cities that took place about from the 19-teens into the 1970s in several waves in terms of those movements. Um, a lot of people don't talk about that. You know, if it wasn't for the Great Migration, you wouldn't have stuff like Motown, for instance. Or, I mean, just uh-huh. all of those people came from someplace in the South. You know, you hear about uh, South Side of Chicago. That's nothing but Mississippi. Like a whole chunk of Mississippi just rose up and went over to the South Side of Chicago and just sat down. You know, um, a lot of the Settlements of the Great Migration followed the railroad lines. So, and part of what mm-hmm. um, that motivated me to write about the Great Migration was my own grandparents, who um, were from Western Alabama and went to Pittsburgh and Cleveland. So, um, that's where I, I, you know, get my ideas around again some history that I'm wanting to bring to the light. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, is about showcasing our resilience, our strengths, 
the way in which we endured and uh, with dignity and faith. So that's what I do. Absolutely. Now, this is Leisha. I want to talk a minute because you, you love to be able to create and talk about the rise of historically black colleges. And so I just want to mm-hmm. take a moment to talk about the importance of historically black, black colleges because they are, they are becoming a dying breed. And I, yeah. why is it important, especially for our children, to 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 navigate or flock to historical black colleges? Well, um, I think they're more important now, and um, they are, uh, some, you know, some campuses are having a hard time with the struggle, but a lot of, there are a number of colleges that are experiencing a rise in applications because of the current political circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, part of what uh, Historically Black College provides is that knowledge, that um uh, history, that um, uh, sense of being, uh, a sense of confidence, a sense of uh, self-esteem. Um, when you're in a circumstance and you see other black people who are getting their education, their, uh, your professors in the classroom, um, etc., that's what they provide. Um, and for some, for some people who just want that or the number of my students who came from predominantly white situations and they want to see what that looks like, so they'll choose a historically black college, um, that gives them a sense. And I don't think it's any accident that a lot of graduates of HBCUs do go on to Ivy League schools for their graduate education because they are, um, I'm, you know, you might say armed in a sense, uh, prepared to deal with uh, a society that does not uh, see them as individuals or valuable. They know that already when they leave. So uh, what I've seen uh, in the the years that I was at Spelman in terms of uh, students who don't, Again, for whatever reason, it's not taught in the schools, and you know a lot of what I when I go have this fun approach of teaching history and stuff like that, they don't know that stuff. So, an HBC gives that to them. Um, I didn't go to historically black college, um, because, and I you know the whole thing with the, with the, that historical sense is that I, I got a lot of that at home. Um, we're talking less about history. There are fewer mm-hmm. historical majors, you know, all of this. It's not part of our cultural discussion in the way that I think it should be. So uh, it's good when um, students, if, if, if they wish to, to come to an HBCU and to get that um, uh, sense of uh longevity of value and of importance in uh, not just the United States but across the diaspora of uh, the black story at Spelman they have their signature course that takes the whole first year um, that's called ADW Africa Diaspora in the World that teaches this 
Spelman's students, and, uh, and if you talk to any Spelman student, anyone who's graduated from Spelman within the past 25 years who's been required to take it, they always talk about it as a transformational situation. My so. cousin graduated from Spelman, <clears throat> so yeah. And then they go home that first Thanksgiving and they just be all <laughs> laying it down. But that's the point, right? They're supposed they to spread it. <laughs> yes, that now. is the point. <laughs> yeah, I tell them, too, when it's time for Thanksgiving all day, when it's time for fall break, go home, get your little cousins, gather them in circles, tell them, tell them, <laughs> spread this word. <laughs> So that we know we existed for a long time. The whole thing with how and why we were enslaved, things were not always like that. Not with this sense of black inferiority in the ancient world. You know, all of that. People need to know that information. Child, our February show is going to be lit. <laughs> <laughs> we going to get up in here. We going to talk some stuff. <laughs> Well, you know, here on Let's Chat, we like to do something fun. So, T is going to give you a couple of props. And see, what we like to do is a live excerpt because we love to be able to um, showcase our authors that come on the show and invest their creativity um, that they possess. Because a lot of times, again, you know, books is like walking the Cold Stoner or Baskin and Robbins, you kind of don't know what you like until you get a taste of it. And so we use our live excerpt as a way of allowing our listeners to get a taste um, of that author, their style, that genre, just just different things that they may not have noticed or experienced before. So T going to give you two props, and you can put okay. those two props into a new scene, into a scene that's in one of your books, you can turn it up however you want. You can switch it around. You can wrap it around. You can drop it down low, whatever you want to do, too. <laughs> we here for all of it, okay? We here for it. <laughs> I'm ready. Go ahead, see. Oh, my goodness. That was great. Well, Piper, thank you so much for joining Alicia and I here on Let's Chat this evening. We have had an educated journey with you, and we so appreciate you. Oh, thank and we're looking you. forward to February. Now, your props tonight, I'm going to give you two props. At least I'm going to switch it up because I'm going to insert a character. Now, okay. your two props is going to be old school, new school meetings in this prop. Your character is Frederick Douglass. We're going to stay with oh, no. tonight, okay? And okay. your prop to Mr. Douglass is an ice cube and a blindfold. So we want you to incorporate your young character with those two props and bring him to life with his guilty pleasure. I'm just going to throw that in there as well. <laughs> and don't send us no inboxes talking about we slamming Frederick Douglass. Y'all know that he he was a freak. Uh-huh, we, I'm just going to put it on now. If they didn't know it before, the they know it out. They know it now. <laughs> I went to the African-American uh, Civil War Museum last week or whatever, and the first thing the lady told me, ooh, I just love it. Just I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> if you only knew. He was loving on everybody, too. Okay. But that's yeah, he loved you, too. That's what they were doing. 
They ain't no history. We got a lot of men still around here spreading love and loving on everything and everybody. They was doing it back then. They're just doing it a little bit differently. But he was he was cold with it. I ain't gonna lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm ready. Let's see. All right. So I just like to just tell it like a story kind of thing. However you like want to yeah. do it. If you want to do it in first person, if you want to do it in third person, if you want to even do it in second person, however you want to do it, it's up to you. Okay. Hmm. Once upon a time. <laughs> <laughs> Little Freddie Douglas wanted to learn how to read. So he went to the woman who owned him. Her name was Sophia All, and it was a hot July day. And she said, Freddie, I am so very hot. I would like for you to bring me something to help cool me down. And he said, Ms. All, I would be more than happy to do that, but I need something in return. She said, what is that? He said, I need you to show me the letters in your name, and then I will bring you something to cool you down. So she showed him how to write out Sophia, S-O-P-H-I-A. And she explained each letter to him. And he said, that will do very nicely. So he said, I'll be right back. He said, it's all, I'm going to put this blindfold out here for you. Put this blindfold on, and I'm going to be right back. Now, one thing little Freddie knew was the streets of Baltimore. He knew how to get all around. And he knew exactly where they kept the ice in the ice house down by the docks. So he slipped in, and what he had to do was to pick off a big old chunk of ice with the ice picks. But he had to do it in surreptitiously because little black children are not supposed to be down at the ice house like that. So he went and he picked it off, and he managed to bring it back to her, slippery, slippery and wet, but he brought it back to her, and he put it in a pan, Got an axe, chipped a little bit more off, and laid it on her lap. He said, there it is. It's cool. And she said, Frederick, you do beat off. There you go. (laughs) All right now, Mr. Freddie. So what part of that was true? (laughs) What part of that was true? What part of that was true? Well, she really it. was. She really, yeah. She really was uh, someone who owned him, and she really was someone who did teach him how to read him. Um, she was some um. But it was, um, and she taught him when he was young. But her husband told her, "You can't." Um, you teach him how to be dissatisfied with his life. Mm. All right, now. I um, like that. And this is. Oh, we're losing some good info, Leash. I know. It was getting good. We lost her. 
Now, your phone no. is really breaking up. Say that again. I'm yeah, sorry. okay. That's one thing, but um, uh-uh. it's not uh, the person uh, and don't teach the real dissatisfied, but already was dissatisfied. Uh, so when he told his wife, five to teach him, we can more cool. Um, and the basis of uh, his theories in his autobiographies about enslavement being just as corruptive to white people as it was for black people. Now, we all, you know, can say, well, they wasn't having to suffer, <laughs> you know, in this way. But that was one of the arguments that the abolitionists used um, to to um, try to bring enslavement to an end, is that it, it corrupted someone's soul. And Sophia Auld um, is one of those examples of that. But initially she loved him and thought he was – started loving him more than our own children, um, mm-hmm. thought he was so bright and so engaging and wanted to teach him in all kinds of ways or whatever. But, yeah, there was a time mm-hmm. when that came to an end. So, And he knew, like I said, wow. he knew the streets because one of the ways in which he would uh, continue his learning after she stopped was he would bribe uh, other children as they were leaving school with whatever he could get his hands on. Sometimes it was bread. Sometimes it was, and I put the ice in there, whatever, um, to to uh, to get their learning after they had school for the day. So. Wow! And I picked a good prop leash with that ice cube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we ain't even we could have gone in a whole nother oh, direction wow. with that. Wow! <laughs> I just picked it out of my list of props. <laughs> right. Wow, <laughs> and the, and I mean, in terms of the ways they kept ice, that's how they kept it. Um, you know, uh, some people who were rich enough had their own individual ice houses that they could keep ice in, but it was kept, you know, in warehouses between you layer straw in between it to keep it from melting, um, mm-hmm. and that's how it was kept. So yeah, we got know, a whole you know, new thing. Got a whole new appreciation for the ice cube. (laughs) You have to, honey. It's like a modern miracle. (laughs) Somebody time traveling, like you could just ice. Mm -hmm. Yep, it breaks your. We Mm. so appreciate you coming to kick it with us today in the chat room. We want you to shout out all of your social media, your your most current release. Uh, any events that you're going to be at where uh, people can meet and greet with you? Okay, uh, I'm on Facebook, Piper G. Hugley. I'm on. Oh, no. And. We, so we got a you. bad connection, y'all. We're going to make sure we post that on uh, our social media so y'all can look into that. Y'all, just, just the whole, our February show for Black History Month is going to be lit because we're about to talk that talk. We're about to have a whole history section. Uh, and and Dr. Dr. Piper about to put it on us. She's about to let us know what it was. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited. 
excited. I appreciate her coming to kick it with us here in the chat room and share her knowledge and share her passion and the love that she has for her, for books and history and combining them together. We so appreciate mm-hmm. her for that. That was Absolutely. good. Absolutely. She's going to come on here and uh, share the tea with no filter. <laughs> So I'm excited and about look, it. And look, they all there. Look, they all there. So who who going to say something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you about to tell their business. Every last one, you about to tell their business. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> we so appreciate that, y'all. Y'all know our motto here is books is like walking into 31 flavors. You don't know what you like until you have tried it, until you have mentally tasted it. That's the best part about being a reader, being able to absorb uh, and taste that author's pen through their words. Y'all make sure y'all head out. Get y'all the Douglas women. I'm just mm, saying. Mm. Straight scandal. And then I have posted some of Piper Hugley's books on our page. Make sure y'all get y'all okay. some Piper in your life. We're going to take a brief break, and we will be back with the fabulous twosome, Ellie Wright and Sister. Right, I love when Uh-oh. they come into the chat room. It's always so good. It's always so good. I love it. We'll be right back. About nobody Oh, I never Y'all, this is Felicia. You know, we are live here in the chat room. We just had the 
fabulous historical fiction author Piper Hugo Lee kicking it in here with, in the chat room with us. If you missed her interview, no worries. Just head over to our archives here on blogtalk.com. You can also catch us on iTunes as well as any podcast app. We have our duo up in here, the dynamic duo. We up here talking about the old school love, and we got our Harlequin girls up in here. We got Ellie Wright and Cheryl Lister. Hey, ladies. Hey, hey there. How, how are, are you guys? We are good. Welcome to the chat room this evening. Thanks for having us here. <laughs> Thank you for having uh, us. So we're mm-hmm. talking about that old school love, so y'all got to tell us, why Harlequin? <laughs> Don't be getting um, quiet, because we done read the books already, <laughs> so we already know y'all. Hey. This is L. so for me, it was just, um, I grew up watching the different Harlequin authors, and um, I just fell in love with romance, and I just figured, hey, why not submit a story to them? And I submitted um, my Jackson's of Ann Arbor series, and I was able to get a deal before Kamani Post, which is a, a big blessing for me. On my end of it, um, I, on my end of it, I grew up. My mom used to read them, and she had her favorite authors. And I was the kid who used to sneak under, you know, the little thing where she kept it in the hallway, or a little box of books, and I would sneak them out of there and go and read them. You know, when I'm 12, 11, you know, not when you're supposed to be reading Harlequin romances. And so, when I, as I, you know, grow up, I, I love reading, so I've always been an avid reader. And when they came out with like the BET books and then the Kimani when when they bought it and I was thinking, oh my gosh, black romance! I can do this. I love black romance. This is great. They have stories that are just like you know what people do, just like me. So I decided to submit after you know just writing and writing and writing and got a wonderful deal. So I'm on. I think this is my third deal with them. Fourth, yeah. Before they closed. Really? So. Absolutely. Kind of a full circle. Now tell us how you guys can... Go ahead, T. No, I wanted to tell Sarah I shared the same type of story at the start of the show. My auntie used to be the subscription. Remember, Sarah, they used to be subscribed to. And uh, I would grab those and and read them as well, knowing I shouldn't be reading. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now how did you guys get get signed to... Kimani. Um, how do we what? My, how do we get signed to Kamani? So my agent oh. submitted um, a story for me um, that I had written several years. Like I had started the story several years before I submitted it, and I just kind of felt like it was um, it would fit the line, which has um, very specific. Um, parameters in order to be published. So um, normally I don't, I feel like I write um, stories that don't necessarily fit into their parameters, but I had a story that I thought would be perfect for the line. So um, I had my agent submit it and that's how I got my deal. Mine came about um, because before they shifted to Facebook, 
on their website they actually had a community for, for aspiring authors, and I would I was plugged into that, and so they actually had a pitch. I think it was in 2013 because when they have like the you know the Romance Writers of America usually has like their annual conference, and so they were saying for people who weren't going to the conference, they did something called Camp Gonna Be for us gonna be writers there, and so they had different editors and things come in there, and they actually had a pitch during that. That, that week, and I actually, you know, you pitch a hundred words to which uh, which um, editor that was offering, and I pitched to one of the Kimani editors, and she requested a full manuscript, and a month later gave me, the, and I got the call for three books. So that's wow. how I started. Oh, that's nice. awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. So. What was happening in your world the first time each of you decided to sit down and write? And then tell me, tell us how you guys decided to come together and collab. Because this is not your first collab, correct? No, no, no. This is actually not a collaboration. Yeah, this is not our, these these two books together are not necessarily collaboration. It's just what, what Harlequin and Kimani decided to do once they closed the line is that they just put our two two authors together. So we both have oh. our individual theories that are going on, and we're just paired uh-huh. together. But because she's my lit sis, I asked, could I be paired with her? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what was going on, Cheryl, when you sat down and decided to write your first book? Well, let's see. My mom had passed away, and she'd been telling me for 20 years to stop telling her the stories and to write them. And I decided to do that a month after she passed away. We went on vacation, and I started writing. And, you know, you come back from vacation, and you toss that notebook in a backpack, and you don't look at it again. And the very next year, literally a year later, I had to have back surgery and was looking for my backpack, which was stuffed under my closet in the, underneath a whole bunch of stuff for me to find it, and that notebook was still in there with that partially started story. And I'm thinking, you know, this is ridiculous. You really need to fit. You really need to write this. And while mm-hmm. I was flat on my back, literally God had to put me flat on my back for me to sit there, and, and this actually when the pain leveled off and I still couldn't get up, I was dreaming about scenes in that particular story for three nights straight. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it right. I finished the book in three weeks. Yes, it's still on the computer, not fit for anybody to see it but me at this point, but then it <laughs> unlocked something in me that says, oh, my gosh, I actually can finish a book. And I immediately started okay. another one, but didn't finish that one because I went back to work. But I had to have surgery again the next year, finished that one and the next one because I had to have another surgery six months later. And it was the fourth book that I wrote that I actually submitted to Harlequin. So, yeah, God had to just lay me flat for me to – sit down and start writing. So that was going on. That's what's going on in my life. <laughs> oh, goodness. Mm. Hey, Ellie? Oh. <clears throat> so my very first book that I sat down to write is actually not published anymore. Um, I published it under a different name years and years ago. But mm-hmm. um, my first L. Wright book, I actually wrote it because a friend of mine asked me, what do you think would happen if a woman was torn between two brothers? And so that birthed the um, Forbidden Man. And when I started writing it, I I kind of, it became my mission to write a story where the reader would kind of root for the 
for the couple who weren't supposed to be together as opposed to the original couple. So um, I had a lot of readers come up to me and actually say, wow, I actually rooted for the couple that was in, you know, that, that was technically in the wrong, although you would have to read the book to see why I didn't feel like they were in the wrong. But um, <laughs> but in, to, the, to the world, they were probably, you know, you, it's, it's, it's like this unspoken thing. Like you never go after your friend's men, whether they're together or not, or your brother's ex or anything like that. But that's how the story was birthed. And then I just kind of sat down and started imagining the different characters and just, it just flowed. It just came came to life on the on the pages. Oh. Yeah. Now this is Tony, um, Cheryl. I wanna ask you, what is it that maintains your authenticity as an author that, that keeps your readers coming back? Um I, for me I would hope it is I'm telling a a great story is what keeps mm-hmm. me coming back. And a mm-hmm. lot of readers say that they like like uh, uh Leslie L said that they feel the authenticity of the characters and the realness of them. I try to create characters that have flaws and you know that they and that have life issues that are going on. And in the midst of them, they still find this great thing called love. So that's that's mm-hmm. pretty much what I strive to do in all my books. And you, Al? Yeah. Um. I'm sorry, can you repeat the question again? <laughs> no problem. Uh, what do you was, um what is it that you know the your authenticity that maintains your readers keep coming back to read your book? Um hmm. I don't know. I I will hope it's because like Cheryl said, they can relate to my characters. Um and also I I I want my readers to know that there's gonna be something in there that make will make them laugh, cry, get angry, want to throw the book. I tend to I I like putting my characters through the ringer. So, um I I I I will want I've heard from different readers that they expect um some scandal in an L Wright book, um heat, um humor. And so that's what I strive to to give the readers a combination of everything. That's so important too, because as a reader, you want some diversity and not just continue to read the same thing over and over. And with that being said, you know the industry is so saturated right now with so much. Um, with sometimes it just not seems like you're reading the same book as far as street lit and uh, urban, because. Um, these these authors and I'm not don't send me no inbox. Sometimes these overnight stories just come to fruition, and you don't get to spend time with the characters and, and get to know them inside and out. How important is it for you to develop your characters and 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 just you know live and eat and breathe them? Um, this is L. I I um. Characterization is extremely important to me. I spend a lot mm-hmm. of time just developing my characters, their backstories, even if even if the um, events of their life don't happen on the page, 
I come up with a, a life that they've had in the past, and but that life makes them who they are in the book. So um, mm-hmm. I, I, I just spend a lot of time thinking of what this person or what this character has gone through, what type of relationships they've had um, romantically with their family, um, what they did for a living, how they how they behaved in school, um, what might have happened to them as a child that could affect how they are today. Um, So I do spend a lot of time on characterization because I want to create characters that are unforgettable for the readers. And um, and Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's important for writers to kind of take that characterization seriously. And to spend, you know, to spend as much time on the character as it, or maybe even more time than the plot, because once you know your character, then the plot kind of folds, at least for mm-hmm. me. I don't know mm-hmm. if Cheryl agrees, but that's how my writing process Well, yeah, she is. didn't leave me anything else to say, so, yeah, did on what she said. <laughs> <laughs> and I do spend time, even before I start writing the book, I get ideas that pop in my head, and I have a notebook, and I just kind of jot down these things where, I'm I'm doing something totally different, and I could be writing another book, but if a future character comes in my head, I'm spending time with them. They're telling me pieces of who they are, and so I jot mm-hmm. down who they are. So by the time I get to writing their books, then I have this a bigger picture of their life before they hit the page. Mm-hmm. And so like she said, like mm-hmm. I said, yeah, it is very important to develop the characters because it's, kind of it's a letdown if you get in there and you don't know who this person is because it makes it hard for you to root for them for anything, whether it's the, whatever their goal is, at, it, whether it's in love or their job or family or whatever, it makes it hard mm-hmm. to, to root for them if you don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Um, this is Tony, and because, you know, as a reader, as a true reader, you can tell when characters are developed. You know, you can tell when they've they've put some effort into it because those characters live on year after year. I mean, I can recall characters that I've read 20 years ago, and that's the essence of character development. You know, they stay with you. They stay within you. So that's so important. Absolutely. Like, uh, I guess a couple of days ago I did a post, and I talked about um, as a reader – I can't absorb, I can read books all day long and not absorb the person's pen if it doesn't resonate. Um, and mm-hmm. I think development is part of the thing that allows the reader to resonate with the character. So if the book isn't developed well, um, it causes that, that issue to happen. Now, for me, my eye gets critical, and I'm taking out my notepad, and now I'm taking notes on Okay, well, what's going on here? What's going on here? What's going on there? But a regular reader, they're going to put that book down, and they're not going to put it back, pick it back up. And so that's why it's very important to understand the type of editor that you have. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the relationship that you guys have with your editor. Um, I know for me I have. I, I do write for Kensington as well. And I've done self-published. Um, I've self-published a few novellas, and I, the editor is very important to the process because they, to me, when you have a content or a developmental edit, um, they point out 
the things that it's 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 work. It's hard work to help your story get better. And they point out mm. the holes, the plot holes, the um, the consistency things that the the things that you write in your book that might not seem consistent but need to be consistent in order for the flow to to be organic. Um, they will talk to you about your characterization, they talk to you about pacing, they talk to you about flow, style. Um, A good editor will know your voice, and if they don't know your voice, or they will understand your voice. Um, And I just, I I cannot stress enough, I've had several editors, and the relationship is, is, it's more like a um to me it's like a a school uh a teacher and a student you know they they and they will help you bring your writing to the next level absolutely that's the best part Ag- and Cheryl? agreed yeah agreed that's for me is <laughs> a lot of what Leslie said but also the the fact that with the, the with that relationship that they should be able to come to you with these things and say hey this makes no sense here and you don't get your feelings hurt because right. the exactly. whole purpose of you hiring them is because they have an expertise in something that you don't and you need to have more than your set of eyes on it because you're going to miss no matter how many times you read it yes you're going to pick up errors probably every time but you need someone else there because sometimes what happens in your mind doesn't actually translate on the page. And mm-hmm. so they fill in mm-hmm. those gaps of the things that are that are that could be missing and they, they push you to be a better writer. And they are to me for me they're just indispensable. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so what was give us one time that you had uh you put out your best work. You felt like it was polished up, it was fit shine, and you gave it to the editor, and they was like, baby girl. <laughs> Tell us about that that experience if you've ever had one. <laughs> that happens every time. <laughs> right. I mean, like, right, we're... We're yeah, we're in a zone, so we don't necessarily see see the 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 bad parts of the writing, you know, because you know I could come up with like the best sentence ever, or the best paragraph, or even the best character, and your editor will be like, mm, I don't think that's gonna work because you didn't think about this, this or this. So like that that's where I that's where I would say that I I think it happens. Every time, like I've never written a book, well, except for one book where my editor was just like, "You nailed it." Out of fourteen right. books, there's only been one. <laughs> so really, yeah. sure, yeah, I've had I've had a few where you, you're looking at them and then you you I thought that you know like this was great, this is great, and then they say, "Well, you kind of missed this. Why why is this here?" Basically, it was like, "Why is this here?" This really does not need to be here. And mm-hmm. literally, it was a book that I'm still working on and didn't edit it. It started out at 106,000 words. It is now 89,000. 
Oh. So that tells mm-hmm. you how much got cut. It was like, this doesn't belong, this doesn't boring. This is what she wrote on the side of the thing, wrote a long line, boring across the <laughs> entire page. Why do you have cut it out? And, you know, you feel it. For a first minute, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, she's cutting out my words. But I cut out right. all of those words, and this story is still a strong story, meaning you didn't need all that mess. You, you From 106,000 down to 89, that should tell you <laughs> that you have 17,000 words that really didn't belong there. <laughs> that's a lot. Well, and, you know, that's that fluff effect. You know, a lot of people put fluff right. inside of books. And, and I think sometimes it's not intentional. A lot of times, especially with newer authors, they write how they talk. So whatever, however they talk, that's what pours out inside of their writing. Um, but I think it becomes a habit after a while. Or And, and the other thing is they don't have that good editor like uh, Ellie was talking about that really guides and molds you and shows you uh, and educates you so that you aren't still making those same mistakes. And so you get this fluffy book, and it's like – Fluff really kind of turns off readers because it's like, okay, page three, you're still talking about the coffee in the kitchen. Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and we as readers, it's like, like she was like boring. But see, your editor is going to give it to you real. It, you know, it's not like it's a harsh thing. It might feel that way at the time, but their job is to be real with you. Their job is to bring it to you the way it is because a reader, y'all see them reviews, Readers are cutthroat, honey. They yes, are they cutthroat are. with their reviews. And it don't have to be that there were errors in the book. It could have just be that be that you killed off their boo. Or now they boo was mm-hmm. sleeping with Susan and, and they was with Sandy. Now they upset. They just cutthroat. Now they, they just out for your neck. And yep. I'd rather it come from your editor who is part of your team than to come from a reader that's going to post a review on Amazon. Exactly. Right. Agreed. Right. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. So let's just, y'all know here on Let's Chat, we like to do something fun. We like <laughs> to have fun here with I think I, I heard on. that from the last segment. I'm thinking, oh, my <laughs> <Yeah>. goodness. <laughs> y'all are dangerous. <laughs> we like to do something. you with us? I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> so we like to do something a little fun. We like to do something a little fun. And since they want to put y'all books together, we gonna put y'all. We gonna put y'all scene together. So y'all are gonna do a scene together. Y'all gonna bounce off each other. Um, T is gonna give you a prop, a piece. You can spin it however you want it. You can. You can do whatever you want. You want to drop it like a tie? Go ahead on and drop it like a tie. You want to slap it up and flip it? Go ahead on and do that too. However y'all want to play it, y'all got to play it as together. Y'all got to do it as teamwork. So y'all got to bounce off each other's juices. All right, see what we got. What we got? Oh, the way she put it there, man, I got to come through. That's <laughs> like, oh, no. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining Alicia and I here on Let's Chat this evening. We so appreciate you. Now, the prop that I'm going to give you, ladies, to bounce off on, um, Cheryl, I'm going to give you a massage table with some baby oil. And, Miss L, I'm going to give you a stun gun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, now, so do ladies. I need to- 
I need to spin it a certain way, or can I? However you, know, you want to do it. In one of my books, I have a scene in one of my books that actually <laughs> utilizes a massage table. <laughs> However oh. you want to do it, honey. Hey, However you want to do I'm it. Cooking on all. I'm here for it. Two for two tonight. <laughs> we here for it. Mm-hmm. We here for mm-hmm. it. We ready? Uh, oh goodness. <laughs> Who wants to go first? <laughs> Ooh, um, hmm. <laughs> so you've already story. written about you've already written about your massage table. Why don't you start with your with your scene with the table and the oil? Any way you want, girl. And then Ella pick right. up with her uh, sun gun. <laughs> <laughs> like, first of all, I need to find it, right? Seriously, huh? That's what happens is you need to find it in the book. See, you should have gave me this ahead of time so I can, you know, look for it and find it. And, you can make mm-hmm. it up. You don't, it don't even have to necessarily be there. Just make something up, girl. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's see here. Hmm. Wow. On the fly, huh? Mm-hmm. Gerard dipped his hands in the warm oil and spread it lightly over Lynn's back with long strokes, short strokes, taking his time to massage and caress every part of her body. Lynn laid on the table, letting his wonderful hands take her to a place of relaxation and sensuality that she'd never experienced before. And that's all y'all getting because I'm not going that deep. We don't, this is a G-rated show, so. <laughs> oh, no, it's not G-rated. No, no, it's not G-rated. Yeah, it is. <laughs> because if it's going to replay, I have children, and they might go back and try to listen, so. <laughs> she said it is. Okay, so I have to pick up from there. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so so Liz's eyes fluttered closed, and she sunk onto the massage table, and then her eyes popped open. She flipped over, pulled out the stun gun, and held it up to his forehead. Get the hell away from me. So this is the point where he says, but baby, what are you doing? She looks up at him. I know exactly who you are and why you're here. Oh. Oh, all right now. Oh, my goodness. That was crazy. I love it. And then she says, and if you don't back up, I will put this. I will shoot you where the sun don't shine. <laughs> right now. And if you're having, if you're planning to have kids, you might want to move move now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, hey, you're it. 
Well, man, thank you so much. Oh, that little, goodness. That, that little treat. Yes, yes. Yeah, we appreciate y'all coming love. to kick in with us. We always love when y'all come into the chat room. See, let me tell y'all, a lot of people, some people know, some people don't. I met Ellie uh, like eight years ago, and we yep. met at a mutual friend's wedding, and we sat next to each other. Um, yep. And here yep. it is, eight years later. <laughs> yep, eight years. Yep. Um, good friends, good friends of mine, um, Nicole and Malcolm, and I'm just glad we met. Oh, Absolutely. I met Nicole last week. <laughs> uh huh. Me and yeah. Nicole went to high school together. Oh, high school, yep. small world. I want to say we might have met in eighth grade. Wow. Mhm. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Wonderful getting to to know you and to talk to you on several occasions and I'm so appreciative of Let's Chat and your support of my career and um and just the literary community in general, you got you you both have been very awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Second time on the show and I love chatting with you guys. Yes, we appreciate you guys. Anytime I call for you to come on, you always come. You always pull up, and we appreciate y'all for that. We thank y'all. We appreciate what y'all give us as authors. And you come on here, mm-hmm. and you entertain our shenanigans, and just kick back and have a good time. So we love it, and we appreciate y'all. Thank you so Thank much. you. Thank you so much. You are so more than welcome. So before y'all go, we want y'all to shout out all of your social media, any events that you have coming up where people can get a chance to meet and greet with you, and then tell us about your your newly released books. (laughs) Okay, this is Cheryl, and I am on Facebook uh, as author Cheryl Lister, on Instagram as Cheryl Lister, on Twitter at one S Lynn L Y N N E, and let's see, newest release is this one here, the Sweet Love, which is book two in my uh, Hunters of Sacramento series. Book three will be coming up in September, and again, my my sister over here, L, is we are paired together for our next books too. So looking forward to that. Yes, and yep. I am L Wright. Um, you can find me mostly on Facebook. Um, my author page is L Wright Author, um, E L L E Wright W R I G H T Author. Um, and I'm also on Twitter and Instagram as L as in the letter L Wright Author. And um, if you're looking for an overview of my my work. And just go on over to my website, which is www.lright.com. Um, my current release is Because of You. Um, and once again, paired with um, Cheryl Lister and the two for one um, Kamani um, release. And um, this book is about Dr. Ian Jackson. Um, it continues my Jacksons of Ann Arbor series. And um, it's his story, 
and it starts off with a bang, literally. And um, <laughs> the next <laughs> the next book um, is All For You, which is the fourth and final Jackson brother, Miles. And he is in Dr. Ian's twin. And um, that releases in September. Love it. I love it. We appreciate y'all. We can't wait to have y'all back in the chat room. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, so we have some y'all. exciting news to bring. Uh-oh. Oh, we love news. All of oh, we love Uh-oh. news. What we got? What we got? We got some news? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we got to wait for okay, the well, news. We I get don't... the news now. We won't tell nobody. <laughs> well, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, <laughs> we, we did announce it on um, Facebook in February or what, when was that, March, Cheryl? Um, we joined together with, uh, yeah, April. We joined together uh-huh. with um, author Sherelle Green, Anita Davis, and Angela Seal to create Rose Gold Press, which, will, which is a um, publishing company that will focus primarily on um, publishing works, for, uh, romantic works by um, authors of color, well, African-American authors. Oh, congratulations. congratulations. Congrats, ladies. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you so much. That's Thank you. Exciting. There's a little niche here, especially with uh, the closing of Simone. We want our voices to still be have a place to be heard. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yes, we're going to definitely have to have y'all back on and bring your authors on and just have a good time in literature. Mm-hmm. Yes, that would be great. Well, thank you thank once you. again, and thanks for sharing that news with us. We're excited for you guys. Thank you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we will see y'all soon. All right. Have a good one. You too. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Awesome. I'm excited for them. Yes. We love it. I love it when people expand their vision. Um, We always talk Mm -hmm. about that. Expanding your vision is very important. I think that uh, when you think in terms of career, um, you kind of get put into a box if you don't expand mm-hmm. it. Uh, and expansion right. is really, really important. It's important to have something more uh, than just what it was. And so I mm-hmm. love it when people are expanding their vision and they're pushing it forward and they're um, evolving it into something else. And so we, uh, gosh, we're so excited for them. Uh, can't wait mm-hmm. to have them and their authors back on the show. We want to thank you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate y'all coming to kick it with us. We gonna. I'm trying to get. I actually am trying to get a specific guest on our show um, because we do a tribute. And not even a tribute, but we do, uh, we're spotlighting on our other page, our Mind, Body, and Soul. We're spotlighting black women in media. And so I'm trying to add men to that. Um, and so I'm trying to get a pretty big um, guest, kind of hard to get, but I kind of dug in my little Rolodex to see what I could get, 
can get out uh, and see if we Your can get him. Rolodex, My trusty Rolodex. I had to dig into the Rolodex to see um, if we can get him him and uh, his partner to come out and talk about black men in media and, and the roles that we, you know, we play uh, because they, they mm-hmm. played a large role uh, in media. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to have them on. You know, it's funny because, uh, you know, Peter was on, um, he was on with Flex, um, and it was back in 2017. And I'm just now seeing the interview, right? And then I thought about it. Mm-hmm. Wow, was it like 2017 when we had him on our show? Wow. Peter and? Peter Shue. Yeah. Oh, you know, when you say Pete, I'm thinking Peter Mac. <laughs> oh, we had him on our show. That was 27. He had just got home. It was around 2017. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow, time flies, Lee. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, wow, time flies. October of this year, y'all, we will be on the radio for six years. Can you believe that, too? Wow. Six years. Six years, wow. six seasons. We appreciate you guys. So I'm trying to think of things that we can do to celebrate our six years uh, being on Let's Chat. So if you guys have any ideas, drop them. Drop them in our inbox. Yeah, drop them on our Let's Chat page. Different things that we can do. I'm thinking of a, like a video montage. I don't know how that will go. Maybe get all the guests that we've had to uh, do videos. I don't know. We're going to see. We're going to see. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. it's on our mind. We didn't celebrate five years, but we should celebrate six because that is, uh, for us, a great milestone starting off at just one show a month to Absolutely. where we are now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we appreciate each and every guest that has come through the doors of Let's Chat because without you guys, there would be no us. Absolutely, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow we will have uh, Daphne the Boys and um, Dan Ringo in the chat room. They're going to come and talk that talk about their books on tomorrow. If you are in the Atlanta area, make sure y'all come out on Saturday to the uh, UBA All-Star Weekend. That is this weekend here in Atlanta. It's going to be at the Dominique Wilkins Center. Um Come out. This is going to be the all-star basketball game. I'm excited. I'm going there. Sounds to, like fun. Know, yes, I'm going there to support, and we want to see you there, too. We'll awesome. see you all tomorrow. We'll see you guys at all. Good night, everybody. Good night. Uh, I'm trying to get us some music out.
Discourage to tell you things, but just have a pearl. 